welcome to peace of mind. Take a deep breath and breathe out. This is a place where we'll be talking about ourselves, being true to ourselves. So, let's begin the journey. So, um, peace of mind. Uh, Today we're going to be basically talking about it's not a cult and if you listeners that can't see us right now i use quotations but anyway uh to start this groovy session off um one i think one recent um expanse that we've had in the past i would say about a hundred or two hundred years is neoism uh if anyone's unaware of this neoism is this artistic paradox it's where we say a flawed construct a idea within society like you can take uh fascism maoism uh and in simpler terms different forms of socialism this movement you know the the neo years after they take these idea of the so-called visionaries within this the, this way they they kind of play this joke or prank where They're idolizing somebody that is mentally not fit. They're either going through traumas and struggles, going through the wazoo, and committing these extremely dangerous ideas around the people around them. You know, the way skinheads behaved, not, we talked about this earlier, the different type of skinheads, um, they were just, Beating the crap out of people, making people bleed at shows. You know, it's. <laughs> well, it's like, I think with skinheads specifically, it's like you had the original skinheads were like, they were, or they were not any in any way identified with Nazis or neo Nazis in any capacity. They were like working class kids who uh, wore, you know, boots because they were cheap and shaved their heads because it was practical. And they were just these working class. They they had no affiliation with that. In fact, a lot of them embraced like you know African. Well, I mean, it wasn't in America, but like they embraced like they they embraced like their friends of different but colors. It was African. They, uh, you're right, though. It is African <laughs> culture that they were embracing. Yeah, because they like yeah they got into like you know reggae and stuff, and yeah. that's why a lot of like the early like uh, oi music and stuff sounds like you know has sort of a bit of like that kind of like reggae like you know, like to- like uh, like rhythm to it, but. In the beginning, they embraced all their friends of color as well, and it had very little. Nothing, it had nothing to do with like racism or prejudice. It was all of them banding together. But then some little shitheads like decided to turn into like a Nazi thing, and that's why there's a distinction between it, like the skinheads that are the you know good skinheads versus the bad skinheads. You have the sharps and the trads who are like you know sharps is skinheads against racial prejudice, and then trads are like traditional skinheads, meaning like pre when they went racist, and then you have all the other ones. And unfortunately, because Nazis are loud and stupid. They have like taken over the whole demographic in the public eye. So people don't understand that there are other things that originated beforehand, right. which I've encountered so many times when like, like these things are not actually have, don't, these things have nothing to do with Nazism. Nazis have just co-opted these ideas and like stripped them of their original meaning. And sometimes the meaning is actually something really good. Like, I mean, like I, like I hate to, you know, this, I hate to, to put this card first, but it is the biggest one is how the swastika was like the sun symbol in Indian culture. And it was taken to use, you know, to be used by the original Nazis. Like you have that con that whole the Hindu premise. culture. Yeah, and or like uh, I remembered the thing that I couldn't remember earlier when we were talking about it. I remembered what it was. It was about the concept the don't tread on me flag. So the, the what? There was the don't tread on me flag with the snake and the oh, boots. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that originally <laughs> that's the thing that I couldn't remember. I was like, oh, it was really good. I had to I had to think I've about seen it. Those. And then it came yeah. Well, okay. So do you know the origin of it? No. So it was originally Boston Tea Party era. It was all about like uh, the American colonies being free from British uh, British rulings. So don't try on me meant like it was about like freedom from British rules. That's back in the day. And then it became 
the stupid Nazis again. They just ruin everything. Like it's like it's like having an untrained dog just come are in you, and pee sure? all over their cool shit. Huh? Are, are you that sure? Was, are you sure it's Nazis? Are you sure it's not the white nationalist groups? Because I do remember. Well, seeing... okay, you're right. It's I guess it's white. It's but it's like the Proud Boys and stuff. So like okay. it's sort of like neo neo pseudo Nazis. I guess Ye- they came in and they decided to adopt the "Don't Tread on Me" thing, and it's a concept against like against like snowflakes and like whatever. It's like it's just this stupid internet jargon, fortune like incel bullshit again. And like so, that's been ad- adopted by that. But then there is. Today's podcast is sponsored by Authority Car Mods, a mod shop which I personally use for all my car needs, from my custom modifications to my vehicle general maintenance, tire repair, and discount pricing. These guys do great work, and their prices are literally killing the competition. Located here in South Florida, in West Coral Springs, right off the Sample Road exit, not only are they super accessible, but open late nights with appointments. So don't wait. Follow them on Instagram at authority underscore car underscore mods, or call their office line, which is 954 798 one six zero two and book your spot now this whole sub thing where like somebody was like making fun of them and it became it was like no step on snick and it was like done in all like internet speak and then uh, i thought this is where this came up is somebody i guess like some some burning man uh camp had like made that flag but it was like definitely like a tongue in thing meant to be like sarcasm meant to be like parody and somebody else who wasn't really necessarily associated with the and culture and understanding the, the comedy of it um, or the satire of it, like saw my friend's po- my friend's photo with that uh, that flag, the no no step on snack flag, and it was like, oh well, that's actually like that's a Nazi thing. I was just like, it's not though, and I researched it and I, I went mean, back in, so and it's not. Thing. But the thing is, they took they, so like here's the thing, and then I'll right. shut up. But like they actually took the thing that was making fun of them and then made it their own. And use that. So technically, even though that was the thing that was meant to mock them, it's not how stupid they sounded. Be like, like little kids, like you know, being like you know, like pretending that they're like you know <laughs> that like white neo Nazis are having their their rights stripped from them. Like how silly they sounded. That's what it was about. And then they decided to take them that and make that into like their own flag. So unfortunately. They just take everything that they want, even if it has absolutely no connection to them, and they use it for the absolute worst part of humanity. Well, that's the thing about uh, that's the thing about neoism. Neoism, like I said earlier, is about this big prank. You know, if you think about you think about like some of the like early, like I would say like probably like the late seventies, like early eighties, like those punk bands. And Bowie, believe it or not, punk is actually a very important part of neoism. The reason is because a lot of punk subgenre and cultures that we have now, when you had that shift of the skinheads becoming, um, you know, the, the you know the Nazi thinking, and it mainly came from that group of just a bunch of dumbasses that had like this love of swastikas and thought it would be like really funny to be like tough and punk and they didn't realize like they were signing themselves up for these organizations in england here in the united states that were these white nationalist groups these racist organizations that were using these kids to support their and it's like well right that's the thing it's like when you're doing when you're doing parody culture you have to be real careful what your what your message is because otherwise people aren't going to get it and you're not going to get it either like i think that parody like i think like the most pop culture reference for parody culture is like south park and how they use everything to make fun of itself and to, to turn a mirror on american culture but like if you take it out of context it, it it could be used against like against the people who are fighting against it if that makes sense like Parody culture is really brilliant and it can be extremely like disarming of the powers that be that they're trying to go against. It can be very, very like reflective and like self-reflective. But if it's not taken in context or if the context of it is not understood by everybody, you have to make sure that you're speaking to a crowd that is educated about the thing that you're making fun of. Otherwise, they just associate you with the thing that you're making fun of. Yeah, and I think it's really also, (laughs) it's kind of really also important to to tie this in. We're... The, the idea of neoism in itself is a parody because it's not fascism. It's not. I mean, 
you know, if, if you, I mean, really, really look at neo-Nazis, okay? They can't live a fascist life. They live in the middle of the country or in places where they barely have access to anyone because no one wants to have anything to do with them to begin with. Yeah. They, they're very limited of what they can and can't do. So it's the opposite of what they're promoting. Well, I mean, kind, kind of. of like, yeah. but, okay, I have, I have two responses to that. One, I don't think it's just, it's not like, so fascism is a part of that, but the route to like the neo-Nazi, and, and honestly, I want to just real, really quickly jump in here too, like to any like listeners, neo-Nazism is the term that was used in the 90s about this stuff. So really quick background, my mom was a Holocaust scholar and then she got her PhD in uh, postmodernism and comparative education, actually wrote a book called Does Postmodernism Compare? And it was a lot talking about the, all of these topics where it's like when wait, wait, you wait, wait, go, when you- slow, slow, slow down, slow, slow down, yes. slow down. You said your mom wrote a book. What, what's What's the name of the book? does postmodernism compare? It's like, right. It's not widely published, but it's published in like academic studies. Um, okay. in, and like, so it was about like, basically postmodernism can be a really good tool for deconstructing things that were these sort of like, uh, like, like <sighs> limiting structures that existed in society. But when you take it to a sort of moral and ethical standpoint, it kind of takes it to like, oh, what well, nothing means anything. The history of something doesn't matter. And that okay. was sort of like what her whole like her whole like research, like while she was alive, that was what a lot of what her research was about. And she saw the whole rise of the Nazis coming years and years before it happened again. And like, but I grew up with this stuff surrounding me as well. So neo-Nazi was a term that was used in the 90s. And it's not really used anymore. We don't really, it's not really considered neo-Nazis anymore. And now it's like, they're all these, there's, you have like the Proud Boys. There's like all these different things, but they all have neo-Nazi ties. They, they don't like being stem, called that. But they, <clears throat> see, you make a very valuable point in where I, the way I've seen it for years, I call it a gap. It's where, <clears throat> okay, moving away from fascism, if you move to Maoism, Maoism is a great you, you want to get to the root cause of kind of a lot of social issues that go on in Asia. Maoism was an, it was an answer. It was basically saying that here we are, the empire of China, and we are the workers' people of China. We are the people that have made this, this country for thousands of years. China is one of the oldest countries on this planet that's still, a lot, mm -hmm. that's still around. China and India. Yeah. And you, mm -hmm. had, you had Mao. You know, he came in as this prowess ruler that said, I believe in the workers, people of China. Today, Maoism is a very important part of Chinese culture. I've met many Chinese people. They have this very strong work ethic because they're raised from a very young age that that's how they live their lives. Now, if you look at Chinese culture now, it's not really Maoism anymore. It's become a different variation of socialism. Yeah. There's hierarchy of the richer class in China. There's different, sorry, there's different names, different interpretations, different groups and dynamics and providences and regions and businesses all across China. So you're right. In many ways, like today, it's not really neo-Nazis anymore because it's progressed. But if we want to look at the well, story from the beginning- it's less about Nazis and it is, I mean, specifically, I mean, saying Nazis like TM, you know, as a definition of it, but like, it's more about just like, it's more specifically about the way, the, the beliefs that Nazis upheld, which is like racism, sexism, homophobia, and like uh, just a belief in white nationalism, basically. Like that's not, it's not necessarily, like it is the same thing, but they're not some of them do go down the Hitler route, but a lot of them are focused more on the specifics of what that represented, which is like, you know, racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, sexism, all the isms, all the bad isms. Right. And, you know, and and it's and so it's like whereas where whereas though in the nineties when you had uh the new Nazis that were actually like, that was like the term for them. Like, cause I, like I said, like now it, there's like delineations for all the different like subsects of it, just like there is for everything. And like the, but it's like white nationalism is sort of the overarching thing now, I believe. Um, but the neo-Nazis were more directly just like 
you know, followers of, of Hitler in that same way that the, the Nazis were. It's the same. And that, it's the same thing with Maoism. You know, when Mao was still alive, people were following his beliefs. When he died, there were people that were still following his legacy. If you think about it now, like Mao has been dead for I don't know how many years. You know, most Chinese people don't even give a shit about that anymore. All they care about is, you know, what the next level is, which, again, a very big part of Maoism is, you know, communism, socialism, uh, the uh, progressive society. Uh, we're going to be getting into this soon, which is a uh, transformational development. Yeah. Um, but it kind of also, again, like it kind of ties in. So I think like. Well, I, yeah, I think a lot of, so I, yeah, it kind of does like, I feel like that does lead like, you're right to like our, our kind of more main theme though too, which is like, why do these things happen? Why do these things, why, why are, why are these sort of group think group mentality things successful? I have my theories. <laughs> so kind of moving in, um, <clears throat> in a, uh, perspective scope one thing that we were we're going over is transformational development in yes. short it's a process where children families and communities identify and overcome obstacles that prevent them from living their lives to the fullest and this transformational involves a fundamental change finding ways as a culture to be more sustainable uh, making radical changes, changing our values, and focusing on a more realistic environment. The transformation has been described as a process of three, okay? And I've did a little research of this. Is In short, it's just preparing for the change, navigating through the transition, and building a thicker skin, and the resilience and the openness to new ideas and development. Sounds so, great. <laughs> it it sounds sound, great. It, it has a great. It has a great description. They have a great writer that's writing their mission statement. Yes, they um, are. You know, and I think on some on some fundamental levels, like I, so, I've known a fair amount of. Uh, I don't know if people know what we're talking about when we say transform, transformational uh, development programs, but like uh, Landmark Forum is probably the biggest one. MITT is another one. And then you have the sort of smaller things that are a little bit less um, business oriented, like, you know, like, like, you know, the followers of Teal Swan and stuff like that. The sort of like, the, the, it's like, yeah, it's like, uh, so some of it is more when you, when the term transformational development, it's usually more of an approach towards life in a philosophical level and not necessarily on a spiritual level, but in terms of like from, you know, and I'm not, ta I'm, I have not done these programs myself. I would like to say that, but I have had many friends who have gone through them, uh, you know, kind of drank the Kool-Aid or at least a certain amount of it, uh, paid a lot of money and gone through different levels of it. And they have tried to get me to come to it <laughs> and tried to tell me how it's going to help me, help me uh, do the next levels of whatever it is that I'm trying to do. Um, and I have said, I have said, no, no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but and in that, I've listened a lot and I've learned a lot and I've researched a lot about these things because I think they're really interesting because the people who I know who have done them are people that I do trust in a large way on other levels. And so I'm sort of like, I've always thought like, where is the dissonance between the fact that I don't want to do these things and yet these people who are my friends on a genu genuine level swear, swear by these things, at least for a short period of time. And some of them for yeah. life. I mean, like I think what? Yeah, I, I think also like the in in short, uh, when you look at you know transformational development, uh, two key factors to keep in mind is is education. That's the first thing that comes into play. It's it's a weird saying is you're seeing life the wrong way. Let me show you how you're supposed to live your life, and. We've mentioned organizations, and this is a great example of this, is they're promising you something that they have – there's nothing to back them except false promises, even if there's some truth, even if there's some truth. Yeah. But you can't promise something to someone that doesn't have a definitive 100 percent effectiveness that works on every single person. You gotta you be open about it. Well, you it. can promise someone a theory. You can say that this yes. is a or not promise. You can say this is a theory. This might work. But the thing here's the thing that I'm I think is really important, which is why 
a lot of these movements, whether it's what we're, you know, transformation development and spiritualism and guru, you know, sort of West Coast uh, spirituality kind of stuff, why that works. And also in the same way, why a lot of the group thinks it leads into like, uh, yeah, like Nazis and stuff like that. Why, why does all of that work is because you have people who are searching for something. You have people who are saying, I don't want the, I don't know the answer. I would like to know the answer. Will you please? And then so, like, and so they go out searching for this. They feel lost. They feel like they want something to make sense. The life, life, the way that they live it does not make sense for them anymore. And they're searching, searching for something that gives them direction. They're looking for a sense of direction. One can say the same right. thing for like, you know, any, any religion, but the difference is, and I, you know, there, there's an overlap for all of these things, but the difference is with religion, you have these things that are sort of tried and true for long periods of time. Nothing I'm for or against religion. Personally, I'm spiritual, but not into religion specifically. But like, there are things that have existed for a very long time, or that based on things that have existed for a very or long so time. Or so they claim. Or so yes, they claim. But, whereas these newer things that are, right. they're 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 sort of they're made up by one person a lot of the time or like one small group of people and they are teaching you the way. And it's not like, you know, if you are somebody who is like searching for, you know, you go to church, church is free for a long time, you know, and and like you are expected to donate, but it's not like you're charged to go. Whereas like when you go to these other things, when you seek these other things out, they recruit people and entry level like programs, entry level, entry, entry level educational like programs for these things are like from, you know, from five or $600 to several thousand dollars, depending on what the program is. I think, I think also like, um, to kind of simplify this, because when you, when we're talking about this, it can be a very complex idea. Uh, you know, the simplest example I can give of transformational development actually happened here in this country uh, after the war, after 1945. Uh, a lot of Americans came back, and we call this generation the baby boomers. And a lot of people don't ask themselves, why are they called the baby boomers? They're called the baby boomers because they were part of a movement. When the soldiers came back, the government was trying to get more people into the suburbs, You know, help housing development and construction and companies and organizations be able to build uh, these communities and then also allowing these soldiers to get married, have children, help, you know, um, you know, the baby industry and all of this. And well, it was it was also post Great Depression, post World yes. War One, uh, all the births. My parents are both baby boomer generation, like older ones. And Mom like also baby boomer. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And and like it was part of the baby boom was also talking about just the, the rapid population growth through that right. one generation. So it was, it was also the other stuff, but like the first reason it was called that when they were first born was because it was the greatest population jump the U S seen. But that was, but see, that's the thing about where you have that transformation. What basically happened in this country was this rapid success of education. You know, this belief of like, you know how you raise your children. Perfect. This is how you do it. You have your husband. He goes out and he works. The wife stays home. She takes care of the children. They go to school. And it's a beautiful, it's a really great way of them opening up their minds and creating their own education. The American dream. It was the American dream. Exactly. But the problem with it is it basically put women and children and even men in in a situation where Maybe they don't want to do that. Maybe they don't want to have kids. Maybe they don't want to be with a man. Maybe they want to be with – it just – that's the thing is it was transformational. It's great. It's after – like you said, after the depression. But yeah. it didn't benefit in any way, shape, or form once it was actually practiced. Well, and that's why – so like going back to like Landmark Forum and Estee stuff, that startup started in the 70s when a right. lot of these kids – when a lot of these people who are baby boomers – and that's that was so like landmark and and asked that was like some of the very first of the of the things that I'm talking about in terms of uh a trans, uh, uh the, the the things <laughs> transformational development links. programs we yeah can put we can links below yeah well Just and and so like so here so a lot of that started and the people who started it were from the baby boomer era and there because there was so much disillusionment because so not only was it was like they were sold the Brooklyn bridge in terms of like the American dream. And it wasn't that like with our generation or with my, sorry, with my generation with uh, like millennials, a lot of it is like, 
there is no there is no dream to be had in terms of the traditional sense because the like capital infrastructure that we like graduated from college into like just it had collapsed right before we graduated but like with that generation it was more like them realizing you know they grew up reading like uh, they grew up reading like Kerouac and like and like Hunter Thompson and like all of the right. and like Anais Nin and like and Henry Miller and all of these beautiful writers and also like James Baldwin and also the other you know the the more Ooh, civil civil rights yeah he's great oh, I love <laughs> um, the the more civil rights era people as well and they saw you know they saw like the war between like like you know like the like like. Well, not war, but like the you know Black Panther movement trying to like like fight for Black power and like Americans you know or like the you know the white police officers turning like fire hoses on people who are peacefully protesting and stuff like that and MLK yeah. they saw all of these things and then but the thing is like so if they were part of that mar- the marginalized groups right. or if they were close to those marginalized groups they understood that there are lots of things that you could, you had to like it was working together there was a lot of you know, purpose essentially. A lot of the ones who were kind of these white sheltered kids that were hippies that grew up that hitch, you know, they were the ones who were like, I just don't know what I'm doing with my life. So they went out to the West Coast and then they decided to take this thing called or do this program called Landmark Forum. Hmm, what is this? And it's it was a it was a program, you know, and these were programs that were basically for people who had felt like they had lost meaning in life. And when you lose and the thing is that's where all of these things are extremely dangerous is because when somebody feels like they've lost direction, they've lost their me- the meaning of life, the meaning of their life, why they wake up in the morning, anything that sounds like a good idea, they're susceptible to, well, no matter what it is. Well, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable, exactly. But that's the thing. A lot of these things are preying on people who are vulnerable. They're like, why can't I be who I want to be? Why can't I right. get where I want to be? Why am I struggling? Why don't I love my spouse? Why don't I love my job? Why am I unhappy in my body? And so there are these programs that are in one hand, on one hand, are not necessarily bad. But some of the things they're teaching people, but there are these extremely gatekeeper programs with kind of pyramid scheme sort of structures to them that require a phenomenal amount of money to just be able to participate in them in the first place. And when you say when you bring up those issues, because I have gone to their introduction classes before, or like you know, not be, but because somebody else brought me, I have gone to their introduction thing before. If you bring these sort of like you know, more egalitarian like like anti-capitalism kind of perspective, like questions to it, their, their, their response is like, one, there are, there are scholarship programs which are still very expensive and they're not, you know, they're very few and far between. So it's like one person can do it or whatever. But the other thing is they're like, well, if you really want to go, you're going to find the money. And which is totally cool if you're like a kid of like upper middle class or richer people, people, or you have your in communities where you can say, Hey, can I borrow $700 so I can go find myself with this group of people in the woods? And then you do. But like, if you're from, if you're not from like communities or demographics, or families where like you can do that kind of a thing, no, you can't find that money. <laughs> like that's a lot of money. That's rent. That's all your bills. Like, and so it, it becomes this thing where it's like the people who can afford this get, get access to this education and everybody else is kind of told, well, if when you're really ready, you'll find it. And I think that by itself, that kind of gatekeeper way of looking at things is very, it can be very damaging. It can and become, yeah, it can also like, I think it also can become like a paradox where you're not supposed to know what goes behind the gatekeeper. You're not supposed, cause you know, you didn't pay for it. Exactly. Um, but it's very strange to always remember I always remembering this in the back of my head is if it's too good to be true it probably, it probably, is. <laughs> probably isn't yeah and yeah. Uh, well, yeah and that's why I think you know I I'm not a fan of like of self-help things in general um but I like most of the self, the help I've gotten in from from pieces of writing or movies or whatever. It's like from pieces of writing or movies. It's from beautiful literature. It's from a really great TV show or a movie. And it's from right. the humanity of the characters that's written into that and what they go through. And I'm like, I've seen myself. I reflect in that. But it's like, it's not from, I don't like people just talking to me being like, this is how this works for me. Like, be, and and I feel like, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's something I, I, I joke about is just like in a long enough timeline, if you're in Los Angeles, like, you know, you know like at least like a third of the people, you know, become life coaches. It's like, because I think that's a, it's like, oh, I can figure out how I want my life to go. And then I can 
have clients and teach them what I've learned and charge a lot of money. Like it sounds do, kind do of like, know, do you know something? <sighs> do you know who the best life coach in my life is? Who? It's Twix. Oh. literally my cat. And I mean that sincerely. Yeah. And, you know, you, I know you got your little mush mush and your little moon pie. We'll talk about them in a second, but like. And Charlie, there's Charlie the rat too. There's three. There's, there's three. Oh, yeah, my Charlie's gosh. just shy. He doesn't ever come out much. Oh, I'll, get him. I'll go grab him. <laughs> um, But for me, it's because well, the reason why Twixie for me, Twix is a life coach. They ground you. You know, okay. I don't need somebody to tell me, oh, this is what you needed. All I need is to come home and I have this fluff ball that looks forward to me to come home every single yes. day. And yes, you realize, you know what the most important thing about living is, is realizing is sometimes you get what you get you enjoy what you have and you deal with things like this. Things are fucking temporary in life. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going to be like this for it's not. Come on. No, nothing is ever going to nothing is going to last forever. It can't. There's no such thing as permanence. Like everything is constantly in a state of transition one way or another. And even when you get to a really great place, even when your life is in a really great place, it's not going to be there forever. It might get better. It might get worse. It might stay the same on a fundamental level, but it's not like it, it can't ever be the same. That's I have a tattoo about this concept. But like, I think animals, you know, I think, I think people, how people approach animals and treat animals is more, is as much if not more important than like how they treat each other because humans have a way of responding to each other. Animals are just these little, you know, these little energetic frequency critters and they all, they just respond to who you are and to, to your love and to your energy and to what you output towards them. But you know who did a really, I'm going to detour back to personal development programs and yes. an author that I thought did a really uh, incorporated them in a really interesting and kind of funny. And the more that I think about it, like in, in my age now, like very uh, socially adept kind of way, it was, um, do you remember Chuck Palahniuk? Did you ever read any of his his stuff? I know people know Fight Club, and I know Fight Club has also been adopted by a bunch of dumbass um, people. <laughs> I watched the original fight. They made... Okay, this is like one of those, like, it's like also like um, um, Star is Born is like one of those they made like 12 times or something. Did um, they make Fight Club again? I think no. so. I think they no. made, I think they made a few variations. I could have sworn I saw something That's on horrible. Netflix. <laughs> they might have. Um, but I watched the original one, but I, I vaguely remember it. So I was 13 when I first saw it and I was like, oh, I want to both be and bang, Tyler Durden, cool. <laughs> Um, but like, I loved it. I, it was, it was very, but I also didn't, you know, this was like when it first came out and I was a preteen and I was, you know, a gender queer person who didn't quite understand that concept yet. And I saw it and I was, and also a lot of what he said was very like, you know, kind of deconstructing what people taught you was important in society. And I thought it was brilliant. Unfortunately, it also like so many other things it got co-opted by a bunch of dudes who took all the bad parts of it and, and not the good parts of it. And uh, I'm not opposed to fight clubs existing like in real life, but I am opposed to them kind of completely distorting the concept and the, and like the philosophy and the humanity of the stories. Chuck Melanick was a, is a openly gay author and he wrote that and a bunch of other things. And that was actually, I think in terms of his books, probably one of his least good ones. Um, it was good, but there were other ones that were phenomenal. Uh, Choke was my favorite. Um, or is it? Choke, no, not Choke, Ch Lullaby was my favorite, and Choke was one of my favorites as well. And he did a bunch of other really good ones. He's still writing, but just not very much. And I, like, he was very, if you ever read interviews with him, he's extremely modest, and he really didn't understand the kind of cult following that he received afterwards, nor did he, like, you know, like, I used to see him read, like, me and my first partner, we used to, like, go and see Chuck Palahniuk read, and it was crazy, because, like, it was just all these, like, frat boys shouting at him, and, like, the, but he was really got into it. he like threw us like halloween giant rat props that he signed and like severed limbs and it was very fun anyway this is all completely said the fact yes. i read an article yeah i read an article at one point about him and how he like he had at one point when he was in his younger writing career gone and done landmark forum and he was like basically his philosophy and it was like it was interesting i think i got a lot of this not really for me but what's inter what i thought was interesting is looking at his his writing after he had gone um is 
how he kind of incorporated that sort of group think and pushing people over that edge of discomfort into finding, you know, this sort of commodified sense of truth um, and how he, he incorporated that into all of his different, like his different books. His books were always these like glaring political commentary on things that were often misinterpreted, but like were fundamentally really pretty good. And he took that concept of what us does where it pushes people to like breaking points and breaks people down, breaks people, you know, doesn't let you like go to the bathroom and like pushes you until you basically have a breakdown or a breakthrough. And that's what a lot of these pro- these things do. Well, They're not just, t- yeah, I'm going to show mean, you the way. It's like, I'm going to show you the way and then I'm going to take you down the darkest path until it breaks you and you see the light, which is the truth that I'm telling you. I mean, it's, so th- this is something that we're going to, we, we wanted to go over. Um, I found this very interesting. So uh, one cult leader, which uh, we were talking about is um, Teal Swan, which I think, uh, kind of makes sense because she's kind of very present and very, very well known. Uh, in a nutshell, the, the the idea is this, okay? You have an active imagination process that facilitate, facilitates the going deeper into places in ourselves that have experienced trauma <clears throat> and providing validation and comfort to your wounded inner child. Supposedly, you meet your needs in any way that is necessary, and you encounter profound emotional relief. You know, I could say as as an adult who went through childhood trauma, and with all the, the things that I've had to experience, the completion process sounds like the worst idea I could have put myself in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, you know, (laughs) I think, but I think that the reason that that's used is because it makes, when you're in that much pain, again, you're looking for an answer. And when someone takes you through that and then gives you relief from that, then you're willing to follow them into hell because they have given you relief from that pain. But the thing is with her thing and hers is hers is almost so glaringly like the archetype I'm about to explain that it almost feels like it's, it's like parody, but it's not is that like, you're only allowed to believe in her and her philosophy. She's right. No one can challenge her. There's no one who knows more than she does. And she says these things on stage and she, she has this structure and this, this belief to her, you know, her inner circle and stuff where they're not really encouraged to have relationships with, you know, partners or family or anyone outside of this sort of inner circle of philosophy, because it, so it, it essentially is also kind of creating that sort of separation that people who are like, you know, like, people who are manipulators and narcissists in relationships do where they separate you from the other people in your life that are, you know, are able to reflect whether or not this is a healthy development in your, in your personal evolution. And when you are not around a sounding board, a room of people that what can kind of be like, Hey, this is maybe not great. This is maybe something that you shouldn't take as seriously. Like when you're deprived of that, that perspective, you end up, more wholeheartedly just believing in something because you're fully immersed in it. And so that's kind of the thing is like, you know, her, she's been, she's been known to like push people to points where they have taken their own lives. And obviously you can't fund, you can't fully say it's somebody's responsibility that in the, the end of the day, the person that chose that, that you, themselves, you said- but you can do things to people who are in extremely vulnerable positions where you break them down to the point where they don't see another option. And that's what I think she she does do. I mean, you said this earlier. Um, I mean, it's kind of to be very honest with you, like just even watching the documentary and and just going over it. It's her whole thing is a giant parody in my head, and I'll tell you why. From my own experience, you know how I dealt with trauma. I'll tell you right now. This is my secret. You go Sex out. And drugs and rock and roll. <clears throat> yeah, that that's yeah. <laughs> drugs and rock and roll, one hundred percent. But. <laughs> Go out and meet some cool people. I'm serious. Or using like, psychedelics. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're really helping out the youth right now. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> 
But no, but all seriousness. Wait like, until you're 18. <laughs> <laughs> Parental guidance is advised. Um, but like, I'm just speaking from, speaking from my personal experiences. I'm not yeah. saying anyone else should do <laughs> But literally, like finding finding like those cool people. Like if you're into like painting and you want to do like a you know like wine and painting, literally like go out and find a class and meet people. Uh, the way to heal trauma, and I'll tell you this right now, is the people that did shit to you in your life, they weren't aiming it towards you. They were so fucked up in their head that that's the only way that they were able to react towards you. Totally. It's not totally. you. It's them. There are very few people who are true sociopaths who actually want to hurt you. Most people are just doing, most people are just reflecting the behavior that they've had towards them on you. Yes. Like most people are just reflecting their own pain onto you. And that's why they mistreat you. And that's why even when somebody has a complete, like, you know, has a complete, like crazy reaction to something like a crazy re reaction to you and might like say some, you know, get, go down some dark path towards you, like verbally or whatever, like it's not you and it's not even really them. It's the person that did that to them when they were in a vulnerable position and they're reflecting that on you. And it's not saying it's healthy, but when you can cut through that, you, you stop, you can stop, you can stop reacting to what the person is saying and you can start reacting to what that person needs what their, their needs that have not been met. And I'm not saying that everybody should do this, obviously do what's safe for you, but it's like understanding that people are not usually in it in, out to hurt you. They're out to find, make a world that makes sense to them. And when they are hurting you, eyes. Yeah. And when they are hurting you, it's because they've been hurt in the same way and they're continuing that pattern or they're trying to fight that pattern. They think they are and they're just doing a shitty job of it. Like, you know, my parent, my, like, you know, my mother went through insane uh, abuse when she was young, like back in that era, it was just that that was still like, you know, beat kids within an inch of their breath or whatever, that kind of era of life. And so like, I didn't get that kind of treatment. So she felt like she was a lot better and she was, she was a lot better than that era, but it still wasn't good and a lot of people don't understand that things you know that it's not just i'm i'm doing better anyway yeah I mean, it's tried, not yeah I've, I've tried explaining this to my mom many times like my mom wasn't a perfect mom um but she did better than what her parents did and you know i give her credit for you know at least she tried she did yeah. the best that she could and you know We'll kind of go over this a little bit more, but I'm I'm like telling anyone that's listening to this, people like Teal Swan are telling are, are basically telling you to cut off relationships with people that they're you know what they're fucked up. But if you can or if there's a way, if you can't, I get that. Don't just like cut off a relationship with somebody because of a so-called crazy trauma inside of your head, like. You said this earlier, like life is fucking temporary. Like before you know it, they're going to be fucking dead. And then what are you going to do? You're going to sit by their grave and talk to them. Can't talk to them anymore. They're gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can make peace with their ghosts. I'm kidding. But like, no, but you can, um, <laughs> but like, like, uh, I think, yeah, no, you're right though. But it's like, I mean, there are some people that are really negative, but the thing is, it's not saying, Hey, like cut ties with your, weird uncle that did bad things to you it's saying cut ties with anybody who disagrees with my fundamental philosophy which is not the same thing because i understand cutting ties with people who are extremely toxic and have been very abusive and but, who don't but, see that they're going to change but remember but, though remember though the subconscious mind that's not what they're hearing then there has their hearing oh this is a toxic relationship let me cut off with this person even though this cult leader is telling you you have to cut off this person because they don't align with my views, but the person is perceiving it the other way. Well, that's why I think her thing is a little bit different because she, she goes out and says, if you disagree with me, it's because you're not on my level. It's not, it, that's almost where I feel like it's like, it's like at parody level because it's not like, it's not under the guise that this person isn't healthy for you. It's, un it's saying basically, if you question me, if you challenge me, if you disagree with me, if you do anything against my, my way of doing things, you're not on my level and, and you're like the enemy. And so that means any, you know, parent who's like, Hey, I'm kind of worried that like, 
you're spending all your money doing this program and stuff and you haven't talked to anybody and you cut ties with all of your friends from childhood and you're, you know, and us and blah, blah. Like, it's not saying like, it's saying cut ties with those people, even if those people are not necessarily toxic, just because those people are questioning whether or not you're, you should be involved in your program. Yeah, but you're having those delusions in your head that they are. Remember this too, though, whatever people hear what they want to hear, you know, I, yeah. I think a, I, I think like one good example of this is if you ever do this, if you ever go to a speech or like you see a concert or something, take three people out of the concert and ask them a spontaneous question uh, in five words or like two words. Describe what you just experienced. Guaranteed, those three people are going to tell you three different things. Yeah, totally. Nobody has the same perspective on everything. And that's where, you know, like that's why you have things like moral relativity as well, because, or like why that door gets opened because everybody has a different perspective on everything. And so like, there's no, there is truth in terms of what happened, but in terms of what, what happened means is as variable as there are people in the room. But I think like you make a good point, especially like when we're talking um, um, about like you know the the Swan uh, group because I because th- one thing like I was I was reading. I love that Swan that group. From now on, that's Swan group. <laughs> Swan group. Uh, we're gonna put those on Swan t-shirts. Club. Swan Club. Oh yes, great band. <laughs> Be a great band. <laughs> but I think like I think like the the. The group compared to like the inner circle is very different because like what I've been reading in articles and like I saw in the documentary, they both have it like as it's like as if the the outer circle, they're less like like so regimented. Yeah. Yeah, it's not as quite as controlled. The inner circle has much more restriction on their personal freedom. Damn. What? No, it's just a damn. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like the it's like the higher up that you get in the program, the less freedom you have to be who you are. Feels like lower because your bank account is starting to drain. Yeah, <laughs> you're not really going up. You're going down. <laughs> well, that's but- because her thing isn't focused on like a lot of these things are focused on monetary gain. A lot of like hers isn't really focused on monetary gain. It's about owning your trauma in a way where you're constantly living in it. I think, um, we, we've, uh, we've discussed this before. Um, let's try to, let's try to describe Teal Swan. Okay. Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, in short, she's like a, a pencil drawing of a long haired woman with a tint of henna in the hair. Okay, it's like a tint of brown. Slim figure with piercing lips that make your eyes focus. Like you're very like you're direct with her. And this face that reminds you of a cougar ready to attack its prey. My mom said this too. Um, I don't know what it is. She looks like a wild cat. She does. She I think does. It's, yeah, I know. It's, it's the eyes. I think partially it's how she stares at people. It's the way that she looks at people. She doesn't like, and that's, that's the, that's why I just like on a, on a, the first time I ever saw one of the videos was a few years ago. And like, for some, I, I, you know, even though what was being said in the videos, I was like, okay, I can kind of get down with some of the, the, like with what she's talking about, but the way that she presented it and the way that she looked at the camera and how seriously she took herself, there's not an ounce of humor in that woman's entire being. And like, or like self-satire, self-awareness self of how much of a parody she sounds of one of a person like her. And there's the way that she looks at people. It's not like, there are people who see through your soul and it can be kind of a cool, if intimidating experience because they're seeing through you and they're reading you, but hers feels like predatory. Her gaze feels predatory. And I think that's why she Jeez. feels like a wild animal. She's the ultimate Karen. I don't know. I don't feel like she would. I, I, I mean, 
I don't know if I agree with that, but she's. She, Can I have I my fantasy? Sure. Yes. All right, let me have my fantasy. All right. Yes, I, I, I will not question your fantasy. Yes, I get my ultimate fantasy. Woo! Not happen on board with it, but it's, I, I. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but she's but, like a predator, though. Yes, she's like she a, is. She's like, and she watches you like the way that you, you know, the way that like a tiger or something or a panther would watch you like in this kind of way like when you yeah like when the way like when you go to the zoo and you see these poor wild cats in tiny cages and the way that they stare at you you like you're like watching your movements and like i want to eat your soul have you seen um have you ever seen a cougar like when they're ready to pounce uh cougars actually have a very similar uh pouncing method uh just like cheetahs they get very very low to the ground Cougars are interesting because they they hone into their prey. And if you ever like watch these, and they're re- they're really cool. I love these like nature videos, especially like when I'm super stoned. Um, <laughs> but cougars like they hone in. They kind of do the the thing where they kind of move their body. But the interesting thing is, and I've noticed this, they tilt their heads when they're about to like lift themselves off. She does that, like yeah. She kind of like moves her head, moves her hands, you know, kind of positions herself, like moves her hair or I don't know. Like, is it like it's, it's like body language? I don't even know, like what you even. Well, I think it's body language, but I also think it's like kind of intense behind it. Yes. Like it feel feels that. like. Yeah. You know what I mean? It feels like. So if you watch the show called The Deep End that's talking about her right now, some people think, like some of her people, follower, some of the, 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 the Swan Club think that it's a, a misrepresentation of, of her. But the thing is, regardless of how you spin the footage, she's still set into the things in the footage. Even if it's a complete like exaggeration in the other direction, she still did the things. It's not like anyone forced her to do the things that she did. And I think that the difference is she's is trying to tear other people so that she's in power and control. And I I found this thing on TikTok too, this, this woman who had been part of her, her inner, like almost been part of her inner circle. And like, just that's a whole other thing. I think I sent you some links to that. Um, I can find a, a link to that as well. And we can put in the, in the notes or whatever. But like, um, she's not trying to build you up or build her people up. She's trying to tear them down so that they're never quite larger than she is. And this is something that her followers, like her inner circle has said as, as well as the general swan club. And that is that like, <laughs> I love it. I, I know. Love it. Sorry. <laughs> it's so great. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but like she, she will, you know, she will compliment people but only so much as that she still feels like she's on top. And like if other yeah. people compliment one of her, one of her inner circle, she'll be like, Oh yeah, totally. But you know, he's not really that great. And I remember one thing I read in the thing on TikTok when it was like, when this woman was talking to one of her former inner circle people who had like left and was just like, I'm over her. And, and this is, and they were like commiserating on their experience. And he was saying like how, how like, even when, like somebody, she was like, oh, you know, like he and I have known each other for several, li-, like Teal was saying, like, like he and I have known each other for several lifetimes. And the first lifetime was in like, you know, I don't know, Egypt or something, of course. Another white person who's like super pseudo spiritual thinks that they had a lifetime in Egypt, whatever. Uh, maybe it wasn't Egypt, it was something like that. But like, she was just like, oh, and I was like, you know, and, and he was a beggar and he wanted to be, and like, he wanted me to teach him. It's like, so even when she's complimenting someone and saying like, yes, you've had this spiritual connection for many lifetimes, she's still finding a way to say that she's the one who has the power and the other person doesn't. And that's kind of my, that's the thing. And I think that's why it feels like she's a predator looking at people is because she's not looking at you to assess you and figure you out. She's looking at you to assess you and figure you out and figure out how she can like, raise you 90%, but that last 10% is still something that she can squash you with. I know, I I just know this and I feel this. If I ever met her in my lifetime, the one sentence that would come out of her mouth is, oh, I don't want you ever near me ever again. You get this man (laughs) the fuck away from me. I don't want him near any of my followers. Ban him. He's not allowed anywhere near us ever again. Because she'll know immediately. I'll see right through her fucking bullshit. Yeah. 
and I'll call her out for it. And you do the same thing. I feel like it's that. I know. I've I've visited some cults and I know how to play coy with cult leaders. I do. I don't. (laughs) I do. I do. I know how to ask them questions like I'm actually interested in what they're talking Uh, about. You got to teach me this so we can like kind of like crash the party. Oh, yeah. I know. I I secretly really want to go into this, the Scientology thing at some point. I just want to go in there My to get some to- Tom Cruise nudes. That's that's the only reason why I would want to go in there. Well, that's, that's specifically the Celebrity Center. One time I had someone, Ooh. Scientologist aunt, try to recruit me during a Thanksgiving dinner. It was very funny. Ooh. And it was also funny because it, we had just shot this video and like uh, it was on this person's land and like her family is all Scientologists and she's not, not, she's not, but also like, I think she learned a lot from them. Um Mm. But like, but me and this and the, and the, like the, the videographer, like, we're just kind of like sitting there, like listening while we were being like recruited by this, like Scientologist lady talking about like the celebrity center and talking about like us as artists and like what Scientology has to offer us and everything. And then we both were like, you know, we're kind of like playing along with it and it's stuff. And it's just like, it is, you know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, the streets are paved with cheese kind of thing. It's like, everything is... <laughs> That sounds Everything good. Is the, you know, <laughs> Can I get some crackers, yeah. please? <laughs> I mean, like American tail, you know, there are no cats in America on the streets of paper cheese. It's like, it's an idyllic yeah. fantasy world. It will give you everything that you could possibly ever want in your life. And it sounds amazing. It does. Like, everything often is like, just perfect. It's like, uh, and then like, you know, but at the same time, it's like basically saying like, you, you, we own you. And so then when we got me and the, in the, the, the um, videographer, we were driving back in the same car together. And as we're driving back, we just were, we were like silent for like, like five seconds. And we were like, so Scientology, huh? <laughs> we were both like not into it, but it was like a really funny moment where it was like, we just got like, we, they just tried to recruit us for like an hour and a half the entire time. <laughs> like it was crazy. But I, I, I mean, <clears throat> I've, I have visited the things I have actually, I've, I've visited a few. I think, I think this stuff, I think, communities like this are extremely interesting because I think in the sense that some, that there is a part of me that is this kind of like, you know, forever vagabond traveler person in my soul. I'm sort of like, Oh, this is interesting. Like they're sort of speaking to like the wayward, the wayward wanderers of the world. Um, because everybody who is wandering at some point fundamentally also wants a sense of home and community and family. And so they prey on these things and they create this, but it's, uh, it's always, there's always a catch. There's always a price. There's always a price you need to pay to the devil. Yeah. There's an entry. There's always an entry fee. That's something that you can never get back. Yes. But wow. Yeah. (laughs) Swan Club, am I right? <laughs> I, know, right? <laughs> I think that documentary did a lot of damage to Swan Club, though. I think that it's not as a pro, it's not as as big as it was beforehand. I do agree with you on that. Like she, they they didn't ask her any questions. They just walked around with the video camera. Like she openly accepted having that filmed. You know, she didn't want well, to Well, they said that they were doing it in a different way, and then she was really mad at the representation. So they, they said that, and I don't even think they said that it was different than that. I think that they were like, we're going to do oh. a you know, documentary on your program and the, you know, the, your, your workshops and stuff and uh, your retreats. And she was like, cool. And they followed around for like two years. And I don't think, I think that that's sort of like, you know, this is sort of like the narcissist dilemma, right? Because it's like, they're saying, saying we're going to do an honest documentary on your, on your program and their version of honest and her version of honest are two completely antithetical things because how she sees herself is like this God figure and how they see her is like this cult leader. So it was honest. Yeah, it was. I mean, like it was a mutual agreement of like, of, you know, we want to show the truth and (laughs) I mean, you can't be you can't be pissed off about that. Like, I'm sorry. Well, like, I mean, but like, if you, I don't know if you like, okay, it's like a lot of her like time, a lot of her energy and effort on social media is responding to other people's uh, criticisms of her online. It's a lot of her energy and effort is not actually spent on helping people as much as it is on defending her name and her brand, basically. 
And that was something that was talked about in that TikTok video with the woman who was part of it, where it's like, it's, it's, her, of course, she's going to have a rebuttal to how she's represented in that in the documentary because it's not saying Jill Swan is this, you know, ephemeral alien, godlike guru person who came here to teach humanity about how to uh, understand and assimilate trauma. That's not what it's going to say because no one believes that as their followers of her already. Um, and anything other than that, she thinks, is people just being against her. Right. I think like the, you know, the, the whole conversation about it's not a cult is you take, you know, uh, when you take Western culture, um, neoism, uh, (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, the transformation, transformational, uh, development and all of these different programs, I think one thing we learn is a they feed off of vulnerable people. B yes. we're dealing with narcissists, and then I think the last point to reach out is it's an old saying, but it's so true. If it's too good to be true, it is. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, it's true. If it's too good to be true, it is. Nothing is perfect. Nothing is ever exactly the best that you could possibly think it is. And even if it is, even if it is on the surface, it doesn't mean that you're going to feel that way about it. Right. There is no one answer to everything. There is no one size fits all philosophy that fixes your life. Everything is dependent and variable on you as an individual. You can find like-minded individuals that can help you. And I think some people do do that. I think there are some legitimate life coaches out there who have actually gone through a lot of shit and gone through a lot of trauma and suffering and figured out their own philosophy. But that's because, but they're not claiming, I know the truth. They're claiming this is what helped. This is what worked for me. And I think if you are somebody who has the desire to help people in this kind of way, I think that's all you can ever tell anyone is this is what worked for me. And let me show you what worked for me. It's not, this is the truth and this is the way that's mind control. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, we basically like this kind of conversation that we're having is kind of leaving it at the table. We're letting you know our thoughts and our perspectives on all of this. And, in short, it is what it is. It's what you decide you want to do with that information and how you, again, like we've said this, is how you want to, how you want to be represented. How do you want to be seen? Remember, again, like the idea of it, it's temporary. It's not permanent. You can't, the world's not going to give you all the answers. Well, and at the end of the day, like, You can go, you can spend thousands, millions of dollars on trying to find something that's going to change and fix your life. And at the end of the day, it has to come from inside. It can't come from anything external. It has to come from you, your comfort in yourself, your understanding of yourself and your peace that you find at the end of the day. It's not, it's not something that is a doctrine or an ideology or a philosophy or a belief system or a guru's teachings or yoga or this or that. It's none of those things. It's the piece that you find from that can be the same piece somebody else finds from painting or drawing or, or playing a song. And if that works for you, that works for you. And if that following that person, that guru works for you for a little while, cool. Don't you dare try to indoctrinate any of your friends to go and follow them too. No, I know. <laughs> well, this is uh, this has been a fun hour of peace of mind, a lost in the groove segment about individual prowess. And uh, be sure to uh, check out our social links. We actually are now on TikTok. Uh, yes, uh, we post little videos of us being little weirdos. We're also both individually on TikTok too. We yes. should, put, yeah. So my, I t- I uh, you should see what yours is. Oh yeah, t- yeah, yeah. I did tell you enough. Let's say it on here too. I know, and I reshare them too. Um, I can. <laughs> Mine add... is at Eli Somebunny, S O M E B U N N Y, like somebody, but funny. And somebody. Then David is lost. My mine's no. lost in the groove. But you have a personal one too. It's with your no, art. I don't. Don't you? I okay. used to. I mean, I it exists. I tagged it today. You did. 
I did. It still exists. Oh, it's real. It still exists. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta put stuff up there. It's kind of hard yeah. to like kind of put all your social media and kind of pieces together, but um, uh, you we'll, have to figure out. I know that's a whole other conversation, but yeah, yeah, you have to figure out how each one has a different flavor and a different audience completely, and you have to figure out like how to. Some things are cross shareable and some things are just totally not. And it's, it's weird. It's, I've been playing with it for a few years. <laughs> um, get Eli some bunny. Follow me. Follow Lost in the Group pod. Yes, we will. Yeah. Uh, we'll put all the social links below. Again, uh, thank you so much to all of our listeners. We love you, all you freaks and weirdos. Um, be sure not to scare your parents tonight because that's not fun on a Saturday. Anyway, uh, we will see you sometime in the future. Wow, what a journey we have gone on. Let's all take a deep breath. Exhale. The power that we have all inside of each other, the power that we have, that we hold in our hands, that we refuse to see, we spend the time hiding from it. Now, it's our time to shine. Be our true self, and let the world see who you are, and what you can do. Stay with peace, stay with mind.